0: Welcome to the Life in Science podcast. I'm your host Arjun. I figured it would be a good idea to start one of the newest podcasts in Heidelberg with one of the newest group leaders in Heidelberg. So we have with us Dr. Ralph Grand, a group leader at the Center for Molecular Biology Heidelberg. His lab focuses on mammalian gene regulation. We hope he has a great experience working here. Welcome to the show, Dr. Grant. How are you?
1: Good morning. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Arjun. It's a uh pleasure and honor to be your first guest on your show. And it really is my first week. Uh, I really only arrived actually in Heidelberg last Friday. So I am probably as new a member to group leader situations you can get. So (laughs) thank you for inviting me to, to have a discussion.
0: Yeah, we are absolutely thrilled to have you. To start off, did biology and life forms interest you right from your childhood? Uh, So for me, I I guess I had maybe
1: a slightly different childhood to many. I grew up on a a little island off the coast of New Zealand, which is actually off the grid. So we have no electricity and uh, everyone produces their own electricity through solar power or something. So I really grew up in nature on a farm, uh, being very much exposed to the natural world right from when I was young. So I guess this has had an influence on my interest in biology right from the beginning actually yes
0: and did this interest shape your choice for a bachelor's or how did that sort of work out
1: yeah so actually during my upbringing or growing up on this island I tried many different jobs I think I uh, explored I don't know if that was because I had an interest or because things were available and opportunities became available. I always enjoyed uh, taking opportunities along the way. So I worked on, on boats, I worked in uh, factories, I worked uh, uh, helping out building houses, all sorts of, of stuff, I guess, which is associated with um, the, the island situation as well. Um, so I guess choosing the, the biology bachelor's degree Uh, came a little bit later after exploring different options first I actually studied uh, a certificate in automotive engineering and then worked in an engineering firm for for six months before I really decided that that was not really something I envisaged as being my career and then re-explored what options were available and then it really became attractive to me then to join university and study biology.
0: Are there any aspects of your engineering background that have helped you in your career in biology now that you look back?
1: I think it has actually because for me engineering was always breaking down a very complex system into individual component parts and then either learning how they work and then putting them back together again and I think in a way that's, that's how people address scientific questions and in biology as well we want to try and understand how cells work and how they might respond to the environment and how they develop and grow from a single cell into a multi-cell organism all these things are kind of learning how they function by breaking them down or trying to break them down into component parts and and learning how they work together to develop an amazing organism Uh, so this is obviously on a different scale you can't compare a living cell to to an automotive engine or something. But uh, I think maybe the way that you would approach or think about these questions maybe has been a little bit shaped by my interest in engineering at the beginning.
0: You had mentioned in an earlier conversation that you had started a company during your PhD. Could you maybe talk a little more about that?
1: This was really started out with, we were in the lab working long hours, trying to grow yeast cells, and you needed to monitor their growth and then induce them or harvest them at a very particular growth stage or phase. And so we were sitting at a a pub actually having a beer with a group of friends and discussing how the technologies we use for this are very old and, and limited and not very flexible. And so we got together and tried to design and find a better way. And this really evolved into a cool collaboration between physicists, chemists, computational biologists, and us as, as really biologists in the lab doing the experiments. And we built up a company uh, called LifeOnix, which was trying to monitor life with electronic devices and bringing the idea of connecting everything together into these systems. So you're using now a way to automate, uh, automatically monitor the growth of cells and be able to read this information anywhere on the go from your cell phone from at home. So you didn't have to be in the lab 24 seven, you would be told when your cells were ready to harvest effectively. So this was uh, also a very exciting opportunity uh, which was actually fostered and supported by the university as well to develop and build and uh, try and shape a product which we managed to do right from the beginning conceiving the idea, designing, developing, manufacturing, and actually global distribution. Uh, And sadly, this current pandemic situation has made it difficult (laughs) for the company, Um, but it was an exciting project to be part of.
0: That sounds really interesting. Uh, Moving on, what factors do you think play a role while selecting a place to do a postdoc compared to a PhD?
1: Yeah. so. I think, ultimately, the underlying aspect for both parts is you want to try and find something you're really interested in. So find something you're passionate about, something you feel that you could really work on and and build your skill set and your knowledge base over an extended period of time. But there are, I guess, some aspects that might be considered when you try to choose. So for a you might have, you know, maybe more local opportunities or you, you might want to go internationally. Maybe this is an important thing to, to consider. In this case, maybe the, the lab, if it's a junior lab versus an established lab, is, is not so important to, to consider. You're really just excited about the question. I would say that maybe going into a postdoc, it is important to consider if you want to carry on in the academic career that you go to a lab that. Has the resources to really drive the experiments and the project you want, because it is ultimately very important for you at that stage to have publications and uh, get some nice visible publications for you to progress in academia. But again, uh, um, I think in both cases, the emphasis is on choosing something you're really interested in, and also maybe in a group or an environment or a place in the world where you are you are interested to study. Could also be that I think either if this is PhD or postdoc, it is important to have some international experience. Maybe don't always study in the country where you did your bachelor's or your master's. For me, it was important after I finished my PhD to to move overseas and get international experience to try and build again my skill set and expose myself to maybe different ways of doing research and different research environments.
0: So while looking for a postdoc, were there any tough decisions to make between equally good institutions or was the Frederick Mischer Institute in Switzerland a first choice from the start?
1: Um, In this case too, uh, sort of following on from the previous question, I think it's important to explore the options that you have available. For me, for choosing a postdoc, I really wanted to go away from New Zealand, and that would have been either America or Europe. And I interviewed in places in America, like Cold Spring Harbor and uh, Johns Hopkins Institute, and in Europe at the NBC in Berlin, Emble here in Heidelberg, and the Friedrich Mescher Institute in, in Basel. And these were all extremely good institutes. I think my choice in the end was project-driven, so I was really interested in understanding the mechanisms of gene regulation. And in mammalian cells, this is a difficult thing to address because of the complexity. And I think uh, the Dirk Schubler's lab at the FMI is really trying to use approaches and techniques to actually take apart the components as you know, coming from my engineering background and dissect the different parts and how these really function at a mechanistic level. So try and understand gene regulation at a mechanistic level. So I was really excited by that. And so uh, I um, chose that in the end. I also felt that uh, the kind of research environment here in Europe fitted more with my kind of style. Maybe that's that's slightly different in America as well, but this is an individual choice, I think. Uh, try and explore options that you have. Try to find the thing that you think fits best with what you want to learn and, and which direction you want to go.
0: At what point did you realize that you were ready to start your own lab and did you have apprehensions (laughs) at any point, any doubts at any point, maybe even now?
1: Uh, Well, that's a very good question. I think that is something is hard to know when that time comes that you're prepared for that. And I think I am still unsure now, uh, literally in my first week, and I still feel like a postdoc and yet my role is changing Uh, for I think in academia sort of comes to a point where if you are keen on transitioning into group leader position you have to sort of move on you can't keep on doing postdoc after postdoc so uh, as much as you might and some people may have at some point a stage like yes now I'm ready to lead I think it's kind of a natural progression you do your postdoc your postdoc lasts between three and four five six years maybe and then at some point you need to start transitioning into the next level of the academic track. Otherwise, you get a little bit stuck being a postdoc maybe or a staff scientist instead, which um, can be difficult to, to transition higher in the in the kind of academic ladder if you're keen on, on doing that. Uh, so for me, um, I always liked working in a team and working with people. So I always liked the idea of being able to, be responsible or help and guide students in in research projects so I think I always kind of had the thought of wanting to get to that level but I don't think I came to a point in my postdoc where it was like now I'm ready it was more my research had gone well and uh, it was time to start applying and seeing if opportunities came along and again exploring all the opportunities you have available and trying to make the choice that best suits you really yeah
0: and uh, did you always know that gene regulation would be the topic of focus in your lab? And were you keen about this topic all through your education, or did you dabble around until you found this topic as your niche?
1: Yeah, so starting out my career, I actually explored many different areas. Uh, so starting out, I was in plant regulation. I was fascinated by the idea of microRNAs being able to regulate gene expression, and in the plants, this was a really kind of thing that people were aware of and were really studying quite some time ago already. Um, and so I started out investigating that a little bit as an intern then I did metagenomics actually so bacterial stuff thinking about developing new enzymes Uh, it's antibiotic resistance thing right you know if you could find a way that you could be able to disrupt a cell or find an enzyme that can help you in some industrial setting that comes from bacteria it's very um, very fascinating area and uh, a lot of potential to discover new cool enzymes But then as I entered into my PhD, I kind of felt that understanding how the DNA is read, you know, you have from every organism on this planet, if it's bacteria, where it's mostly just naked DNA, or if it's eukaryotic cells, where they have it wrapped up in nucleosomes and it's in chromatin, ultimately, you have to read particular sequences of the DNA to be able to survive and respond to your environment. And, and that kind of led to gene regulation. And course there's many levels there as well from actually reading the DNA to influencing the RNA to translation of the protein but I wanted to understand really the fundamentals of of gene activation so I actually started out there in three-dimensional genome organization uh, trying to understand how the DNA folding inside a cell was important for activating or regulating genes and then when I moved to my postdoc as I mentioned before trying to get into a lab that addressed or try to address in a mechanistic way how these initial events of reading the DNA, engaging with chromatin, and leading to activation of genes really worked. So then I think the choice of what my lab would work on was relatively clear. I'd kind of built on that path from my PhD through postdoc that I would stay with gene regulation. But again, at excuse me, as I mentioned earlier, I think it is important to explore these different areas of interest initially, uh, for you to be able to decide on something that you are fascinated by. Um, Yeah.
0: Yep, that's wonderful. And would you have any advice for students on how to deal with failure, be it a rejection from a university or say in a at a higher stage, maybe a grant application or more simple things like maybe an experiment just not working out for a long time and you have a deadline coming up?
1: Yeah, failure is a, a difficult one. I think it's in science for sure. It's in, in life in general, I guess, uh, that you, you can't be successful at everything and, and failure is kind of part of it. Uh, for me, it was always about trying to maybe reflect on what it was. And yeah, this can be very small things, exactly as you said, experiments not working, Uh, being frustrated with that or up to writing some big grant proposal or um, fellowship that gets rejected it's important to reflect and try and think and learn from that situation I think you know what might have gone wrong was it something you did handwork in the lab that was experimentally not working out or the way you might have written and try and and learn but it's important to also get up and move on I think because um, you can get very caught up in the you know unhappiness of being rejected from something and that's totally fair and that's okay but you have to keep on going I think in general Mm -hmm. in science I don't know if it's more than other fields but you have to get used to this idea that things don't always work I think and but again this is in life in general right there's not always you get exactly what situation or something you wanted so Um, it's always good to reflect think about it try and learn from the situation but try to look forward and and move on to the next one at least that's kind of how I would approach it because you can get very uh, caught up and and then kind of lose or invest energy in something that you you could really focus on continuing with another experiment or try for the next application or try another lab and and maybe the next lab you apply to is actually much better fitting for you. You know, mm-hmm. it's very hard to tell actually, you know, maybe in the end, that particular failure leads you down a path that in the end you're more happy with. Um, yeah, it, it's a that difficult one. That makes a lot one. of sense. Yeah. And, and it's different for everyone to understand that. So, um, but yeah, try and be aware that this is something that happens and, and don't let it absorb you entirely and try and <laughs> move on, yeah.
0: What was the best advice that you've got from anyone that has helped you in your journey in science? And are there any scientists who you look up to and admire?
1: Yeah, so the some of the best advice I think I got was uh, to just try and continue being yourself. Um, I think you can be misled or misguided by seeing people being very successful at focusing on a particular field or doing something in a particular way. And at the beginning, you are taught a lot how to present things and how to write and and there are a lot of things that you need to learn but ultimately I think it's important that you take your uniqueness and how you approach things and how you then ultimately present and and write grants and, and things like that so make sure that you are sticking to what you're interested in and do it in a way that you want to at some point so um this probably becomes then more critical as you go on at the beginning you're learning a lot and then you kind of keep on learning continuously, obviously, but you have to then define your own research area and your own thing. And then being yourself or knowing what you want is very important. And focus on the research, I think. So Mm -hmm. again, coming back to maybe the question about failure, you know, it's, it's hard An experiment doesn't work and you can get frustrated about that, but try to understand what the problem was and move on. And it's really ultimately, you can do a lot of things around research and science and academia but ultimately it's the research you get recognized for you know so the PCR doesn't work try to work out why that was and do the PCR again try to focus on getting those small things to work and then it's the research you publish and how sound and vigorous you've done that and how nice it looks that really advances you in academia I think so um, be yourself and and focus on the research I think uh, were good points that I Was told at some point, you know. Also, (laughs) struggling with experiments or or different aspects of what I was doing, and um, they helped me. I think definitely. And for scientists I look up to, I mean, it's the visionaries. I guess Darwin, I think, is one that completely changed our way of thinking about the natural world and and biology. Ultimately, in that way, and that's that's amazing. And I've always been interested in many aspects of our planet from the physics and the chemistry and the universe and how it all works so I guess Einstein and Hawking and those people fit in there as well but I also have the mentors I've had also been very inspirational to me and actually that maybe comes back also to the question about where you would choose to do your PhD or your postdoc and if you have these choices and I think then it's important to look at maybe the mentor that or the group leader of that lab and see kind of what their path was or what they've achieved and and what their morals are and how they try to try to push science forward Um, so i've been very lucky having kind of mentors that were very supportive and and helping me and trying to shape me and get me to move in my direction you know in my own way and um this is very important i think
0: yeah That's really nice. And uh, could you share any experiences of serendipitous discoveries or instances where thinking out of the box helped you tackle a scientific problem?
1: So this is the cool thing about being a scientist. I think it's always about thinking outside the box. You know, you have a set of data and you have to try and think about it maybe in a different way to how someone else has done. So I think actually it's hard for me to isolate individual events where it was that I looked at something in a unique way and it was just completely clear and it wasn't before, but thinking outside the box and trying to approach questions, uh, data analysis, uh, making experiments and developing new techniques, uh, this is very important and very rewarding as well. Um, One of the recent ones was when I was at the FMI, we had a kind of a collaboration between three postdocs so me and two other postdocs and it was really our own initiative of saying okay look here's a very interesting question this has not been able to be quantitatively addressed before how can we take our knowledge and maybe what's available and try and identify or, or develop a new assay to be able to ask these questions and that was very rewarding it wasn't like maybe a straight away in that moment this is the solution, but de- developing this with these other postdocs over a few months. And then it was clear that this was really going to lead into some new insights. That was a um, very cool thing to, to experience. Yeah.
0: So also sort of in continuation to that, do you think your approach towards a scientific problem or idea has changed with an increase in experience?
1: Uh, definitely, uh, my way of thinking has evolved. I'm sure this is true for anyone who start out, or at least myself, a very enthusiastic student and in, in undergraduate at university. I did many things, not just molecular biology, but chemistry and metabolism and trying to understand you know, the different paths that you could take, which was, I think, ultimately also helpful for me to finally decide what it was I wanted because I tried all these different things and so you come in and you have all these amazing ideas and you're very excited and enthusiastic about many things and then as you develop I think you well there's a few things you kind of learn that you know there are many open questions but you have to try and focus in on some interesting ones and you see that you know there's um many people working on many different areas and so you have to try and find your niche again and so definitely I think you get your thinking of science matures um you kind of realize that there are many different questions but you can focus on some or there's some more important than others and this is yeah important for your your development during your kind of as you go from undergraduate all the way through to postdoc and starting your own lab. So for me, starting my own lab now, I think that you have to focus in. And so you maybe can't be overly enthusiastic about all topics anymore, but I also don't think that limits your, i.e. generating new ideas or, or new thoughts because you've just been kind of trying to do it within that space in which you're interested in now, rather than maybe on all different angles.
0: What do you think are the challenges that have come with starting a lab during COVID and the situation that we find ourselves in? And do you think your experience as a postdoc during COVID has prepared you better?
1: I think it is definitely more challenging to start a lab during the COVID times. Uh, It is hard for me to comment in detail, as I said, being in my first week now, Uh, So it definitely seems that the institute is on reduced function. There are some things that are maybe not so readily available uh, to do with PCR and gloves because this is used for the global pandemic or or largely used for them. But I'm not sure it's hard if my experience as a postdoc has really prepared me for it because we realize these things, of course, now in the last two years being a postdoc that this pandemic was influencing the way that we could work. But then you kind of, when you start your own group and you're responsible for all the setting up of the, the lab and getting things running, this is a, another level I think on, on what you need to be able to compensate for and, and accommodate during these times. So um, I'm not sure my postdoc prepared me. Uh, I'm sure that starting a lab will be more difficult but uh, we kind of I take the challenge as it comes and I, I think it's going to work out well. So uh, maybe ask me again in a year or two and mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be um, crying and disappointed and and f- having everything fail. I hope not. but <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen either. I think it'll be all fine.
0: <laughs> mm. So what qualities do you look for in students who would apply to your lab? especially in cases where a student is very enthusiastic, but probably hasn't worked with the model system or the methods before.
1: So enthusiasm is always great. I think it's, it's great when students come in and we had a short discussion before we started this, you know, just to talk about the different cool uh, experiences and topics that you could approach. Um, it is important, though, I think, amongst that to be able to focus on a topic Uh, especially now you know you would come join my lab you will be supervised by me uh, but there are probably not the opportunity to just explore everything endlessly that uh, is exciting and interesting to you Uh, you have to be able to focus in and kind of okay this is the experiments that need to be done today to lead ultimately to some very cool big big story so enthusiasm great Um, being able to focus in on stuff and and achieve goals uh, is very important I think being able to think critically so you know you read a lot of things you can get enthusiastic about it and when something is published in, in high impact journals you might be thinking that this is how it is but I think actually at any stage in your career as a scientist it's important to be able to think critically about a topic um, take a different angle a different approach on thinking about it and so don't be coming from a lab where you've learned about a particular way of gene regulation or something and be thinking that that is the ultimate way. Um, I would say in biology, (laughs) it's probably one of the cases, and maybe this is other scientific fields too, but there are many exceptions to the rule. There are many different models that do things in certain ways or different systems that have a certain, so there is never one answer to something. So being critical and being able to think about things from different angles, I think is very very important. And also I would say hands-on experience. So You know, having studied for me, it was also something I tried to do. Even in my undergraduate, I did these kind of summer internships, which meant two, three months in a lab, just gaining experience with molecular biology techniques. And this doesn't really matter. DNA, RNA isolation, PCR, many different things that are very transferable between different models, you know. Um, But it's very useful to have someone that's had a bit of this experience and not coming uh, from just having done all the theoretical and then not really knowing at all how to how to run things in the lab but again let's see see. i will be Mm -hmm. hiring my first students in the coming Mm -hmm. months
0: So, (laughs) yeah Yeah. continuing on that i presume you have open positions for students wanting to apply for a rotation or a master's thesis or maybe a phd position and could you give a glimpse of the experience for the student
1: So I do, Uh, I have a number of open PhD positions at the moment and for masters and interns, always uh, happy to talk to anyone that's interested in in coming to my lab to to study gene regulation. What my ultimate or what I will be starting out on is, yeah, I'm gonna do gene regulation in mammalian systems. So we use uh, mouse embryonic stem cells these are a system where you are able to very rapidly turn them into different cell types, so neurons or, or muscles, and this allows us to try and study this, these gene regulation mechanisms in distinct cell types and also how how they change during differentiation. And my initial goal is that to follow up a little bit on a discovery I had during my postdoc. So I found a transcription factor. So these are proteins that engage with particular DNA sequences and they're involved in in reading and initiating transcriptional activity. And I found one of these proteins that is very unique in the way that it does it, that it can really work on its own almost. It doesn't require many other factors in the cell to be able to activate a a gene and turn it on. So I'm gonna use this as a tool to try and identify the molecular components and mechanisms that are involved in this process. And so this project for PhD will be around really trying to uh, take this factor, identify the components that it works with, and how those the the mechanisms behind that work to activate, and also looking at how genetic and epigenetic variation might guide where this factor is going and how that might influence um, cell types. Uh, For a master's project, I actually have a little bit of funding for one already. This is along the lines of genetic variation. So it's in collaboration with a lab in New Zealand and they found uh, small nucleotide changes that are associated with a particular disease and these nucleotide changes normally affect these transcriptional regulators I was talking about before, uh, affect the ability for them to read the DNA sequence. So it'll be using quantitative mass spectrometry to try and identify the candidate proteins that are influenced by these small genetic mutations And then trying to follow that up and find out uh, what the actual functional relevance of these are so I'm always happy to hear from students uh, and to discuss different projects there are obviously starting a new lab the possibility to try and shape your own project and think about in certain directions and so yeah if you know of anyone please feel free to apply or reach out
0: sure I'm pretty sure there'll be many people who would be extremely keen to write to you So yeah, thank you for joining us and I'm sure our listeners would have had uh, many useful takeaways from this chat and I hope you
1: enjoyed this as much as I did. It was great. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me.